Welcome, friends, to the True Myth Media Podcast, a journey of film and faith. I'm your host, Michael McDonald. And I'm Seth Steele. And this week we'll be discussing uh, some films from Poland as we continue our Cinema World Tour series. And after that, we'll do a little bit of a rundown. But first, if you haven't been frequenting True Myth social media outlets this week, you may have missed reviews for The Grand Budapest Hotel, Ida, In Darkness, Danton, The Double Life of Veronique, The Saragossa Manuscript, The Ruins, Rage, and the Three Colors trilogy, Red, Blue, and White. White. Yep. White. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's a, kind of a crazy day around here. Uh, my wife and I were getting our roof done, so if you hear any thumping and, uh, you know, any weird calls or anything like that uh it's been kind of a crazy day trying to get any writing done around here because there's just so much going on and uh, my cat is terrified and <laughs> yeah we can definitely hear it down here so yeah so uh, <laughs> if ho- you can hear it on the on the podcast there hopefully you just ignore that for this episode yeah hopefully it's not too distracting but uh yeah and But yeah, uh, we're also kind of continuing off of last week. We were talking about uh, make sure that you reach out to us with any ideas you have about uh, what uh, you like if there's movies that you'd like episodes to revolve around next year or like directors that you'd like to hear us talk about more subjects that you'd like to hear us talk about more. Uh, We're open to any and all suggestions. uh, So just reach out to us. Uh, Facebook is probably the best way to do so. Um, just you know, message the True Myth Media Facebook page, and uh, we'd be happy to try and incorporate some of your ideas into the schedule for uh, 2020. Heck yeah! All right, so let's just get into our Polish films. Uh, I don't know why uh, Polish films have always been something that, like, I don't know, like partially because I am Polish, I think I've always been kind of interested in them, but I've also almost completely disregarded them it's like one of those it's like i don't know how to describe it except like one of those like best intentions kinds of things it's like oh yeah i always intend to like really war and peace but i've never gotten around yeah yeah exactly it's that that sort of thing um yeah i i've seen i think uh the Cold color War. blue, but that was that was a long time ago, and okay. I couldn't get it. Uh, yeah, I saw Cold War this year, uh, but for the most part, uh, like I don't even know how to pronounce most of the great Polish directors' names. Yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. I was like, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to go with last names, and I know I'm going to butcher that too. So just yeah, like yeah. bear with me for this one. Some of them are really hard, uh, <laughs> but I ended up really really liking this one. I, I had a feeling I would. Um, I tend to like. Uh, movies with a little bit of more of that uh, Eastern block kind of uh, influence, you know, as you start heading Eastern in Europe farther and farther, yeah. um, you know, you get a little bit more uh, like slow cinema. You get a little bit more of the um, kind of the Russian school uh, of uh, editing and things yeah. like that. I've uh, noticed a lot more like sardonic wit and stuff like that, just kind of like a little bit darker humor that'll sometimes kind of pop up here and there. Um, at least in the movies that I watched, I noticed. <laughs> um, yeah, there's also uh, I don't know. There's a lot of darkness in uh, just considering the the history, the history of Poland in the yeah. last hundred hundred and twenty years has been a rough history. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their films are kind of bleak. Uh, I know one of them that I watched actually takes place during um, World War Two, mm-hmm. um, and uh, maybe I'll just get started talking about that one right off the bat. Yeah, uh, that's totally fine. I, I watched this one actually this morning. Uh, it's called In Darkness. Okay. By 
Agnieszka Holland. Agnieszka. I don't know how you say her name. I know how to pronounce that. But that's it. Agnieszka? I know it's Agnieszka. Okay, great. Um, I uh, I really liked this film a lot. It, uh, it's a it's a um, World War Two takes place during po- Poland or in Poland during. Uh, I think you see the Germans clear out the ghetto um, in this movie. And it revolves around a couple of Polish guys, a main one, uh, who is uh, works in the sewers, and he's like the main Polish like sewer inspector guy. He like, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of effort in the beginning of the film put into like uh, everybody that just loves this guy because he's like such a hard worker. He's an honest guy. He's you know one of the good poles. You know. Yeah. Um, and as he's working down in the sewers one day, he hears, uh, like a knocking. Yep. Him and his buddy go. And it is, uh, some Jews in the ghetto that are creating escape, an escape hatch. Oh. Um, basically preparing for when the Germans come and sweep them out of there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he goes to them and basically bargains with them to save some of them like because he knows the tunnels and knows like a place where they could hide where they wouldn't get caught Mm -hmm. but he's going to charge them so much money a day and eventually the ghetto gets cleared and he takes this family and there's like this whole ordeal over how many can actually go and how many can't because there's only so much space and basically it's about him hiding these jews in the sewers for the entire occupation okay um it's a really great uh, movie that I feel like you see him develop in his appreciation for the Jewish people over the course of the film. Like at first, uh, like he's not really a big fan of them. Like he's at first, he's not saving them out of any like, you know, altruism or uh, sense of human camaraderie. He's like, oh, there's an extra little bit of money to help out around the house and mm-hmm. everything. So. Um, that's kind of how he looks at it. But then gradually, like, they're not able to pay it. They run out of money. Um, so he, you know, starts, like, they start telling him where there's stashes of, like, jewels in the um, the ghetto where the, he can find and that can mean. But eventually it becomes just he's doing it because he's grown to care for them. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a heavy movie. It's, uh, it's a lot more hopeful, I think, than a lot of, uh, like this era of you know the the story of the Holocaust and everything. Yeah. So, but this is a lot more hope filled. I think, um, kind of like even in a sense that like Schindler's List is like there's that note of um, goodness and hope at the end of it. Like yeah. like that uh, something amazing was done, mm-hmm. and even if it wasn't completely from pure motives. Yeah. Uh, it's a. It, I really like it. It's kind of like a smaller version of that because it's just like what if Oscar Schindler was just a plumber. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not, you know, this super rich, you know, industrialist. Yeah. Um, I really liked it. Yeah, that's awesome. That does sound really good, actually. Yeah. Um, I actually – I feel like uh, a couple of the movies that I watched, like uh, – well, I – a couple of movies I watched had to deal with, like, the Holocaust, but not, like, specifically that time period. Um, actually, like, Ida, the one that I watched first, mm-hmm. which is uh, from director uh, – I'm not going to try any pronounce it – Paula Kowski or – Yeah, Kowski, it's like – The guy that directed Cold, Cold War. War yeah. Um, but this is the one that actually won uh, Best Foreign Film in 2013 for Poland. Um, he didn't actually win the Oscar. It went to the producers, I think. Um, but uh, this movie is uh, – it, it's set like 16 years after the end of World War II. 
Um, and it's about this uh, young nun who has been raised in this Catholic or this this Catholic orphanage uh, her whole life. Um, and right when she's about to kind of like take her vows and join the uh, the convent, uh, the mother superior takes her aside and she's like, well, uh, first, you need to know some things. First of all, you were Jewish um, before, like, you know, you got dropped off here. Well, I mean, she still is Jewish, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then she also had an aunt who, uh, for one reason or another, never came to come pick her up, uh, even though the convent wrote to the, her multiple times. Um, and the the head nun pretty much is like, you need to go to this uh, aunt and just kind of figure some things out before you actually take your vows. Um, and so she does. Uh, Anna, her name is, she leaves the uh, she leaves the convent and goes and visit this visits her aunt. And at first, it's kind of like this awkward uh, like encounter. Like her her aunt is kind of a drunk, um, and she's very isolated. Like she lives by herself. Um, she doesn't really have many friends, uh, and yeah, she doesn't really have that like great of a lifestyle. Um, and she's like, yeah, I didn't come get you pretty much because I couldn't deal with you. Like I wouldn't have known how to deal with you. Mm. And, uh, at first the, at first the aunt doesn't even want her to stay, but eventually she lets her stay on for a little while. And Anna ends up asking, um, where are my parents buried? I want to go see their graves. And the aunt says, well, I don't know but we can go find out. And they go to go visit the person who was supposed to be hiding uh, her parents. Um, and like, this was the last person that saw them alive kind of thing before the Germans came in and they disappeared. Um, and the person who was holding them kind of says, yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about what happened or anything like that. So there's like this dark backstory underneath um, about what actually happened with her parents. But the whole story really is kind of, um, a battle for Ida's or Anna's future, really. Um, like she's come from this place. She's come from this convent and she's been isolated in this convent this entire time. And that's the only mm -hmm. life she's ever known. Um, and when she comes out of this convent and she starts to see the life outside of it, she starts to get a glimpse of like what her life could have been, uh, had like the Germans not come through and like killed her parents and forced her into this monastery and like completely ruined her aunt's life. Um, if this wouldn't have happened, like she could have been a completely different person. And we start to get a glimpse of like who she could have been. Mm. Um, and the whole thing kind of leads up to this choice of, is she going to end up taking her vows or is she going to end up, uh, taking this other journey, this other path that kind of was never laid out for her. Um, and I'm not going to say which path mm -hmm. she chooses, but it is a very haunting movie. I felt like I was kind of watching a ghost story. I think I said in my, uh, mm. review the entire time because it's, it's, it's like you're watching people who have not yet lived uh, make choices that are going to decide the rest of their lives. Um, and it's just, it's a very well done movie. It's very beautifully shot. Um, it's in black and white, just like uh, Cold War is, and it's shot in four by three. Um, absolutely gorgeous cinematography. I gave this movie a five out of five because I thought it was, I thought it was great. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, and I really yeah. liked Cold War. So I'll probably, I'll probably end up checking. Actually, I, I know it just arrived from Netflix. Oh, did it? It just not in enough time for me to oh, watch okay. it before our discussion. Yeah. Because it came in today. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> recommend this movie. Um, I know Cold War is coming out on Criterion like in November and I'm like, cool. all right, well, I guess I'm going to pre-order that one because Ida was so good. Like I, yeah, I need yeah. to see everything that this guy has done now. So, awesome. but yeah, what's next on uh, the list for you? Uh, so next I'll go with, uh, kind of stay with the historical. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I watched Danton okay. by, uh, Andrej Waja. That was I good. Is how you say his name? Waja. <laughs> uh, it's W A J D A. 
And I think that the JD is like a yid sound. I don't, I don't That's, know. You're doing better than I am. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, this is a really interesting movie to me because, uh, you know, from an American perspective, we don't really get into the details of how the French Revolution happened. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, we get a lot more about how the American Revolution happened. Yeah. Uh but I feel like we get little hints of it because they're kind Everybody of... Everybody knows the guillotine, and that's about it. I yeah. feel like, yeah. Right. Um, I've always loved the story of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Okay. I, uh, so I I was like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching a, a movie about that period. And it was kind of weird for me because I'm like, why would a Polish guy want to make a movie about, like, the French Revolution? I mean, it just... It's kind of interesting. But I guess you could say the same thing about Mel Gibson making something about Braveheart. So. Well, it's kind of funny because yeah. Kislovsky's Three Colors trilogy is kind of about the French Revolution, too, actually. Really? So, okay. yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's really fascinating because not knowing a lot about French history, really you only get to know a couple of names like Robespierre. Um, like most of the people in this movie, I imagine if you are familiar with French history and the French Revolution, you would know who all these players are. Um, I don't. Yeah. So I guess Danton is uh, Georges Danton was one of the leaders of the revolution, um, kind of considered one of the heroes of it. And um, instead of like joining up on the committee for public safety, he stayed in a private life. He didn't join any of the um, any of those committees. And uh, he ended up having a really powerful influence on the populace. He was a very popular like just thought leader and someone with opinions about how things should go. And he was popular enough that the committee for public safety saw him as a threat and tried to, and tried to kill him for, uh, insurrection. Okay. Even though he wasn't doing anything. Uh, I don't know how historically accurate this is or not, but, um, over the course of the movie, it kind of turns into a little bit of a passion play because it's, all about how Danton is trying to point out to everybody how corrupt the government has become if they're willing to do a show trial, kangaroo court, all the way through to executing one of the heroes of the revolution. Like, then obviously the power has gone corrupt and yeah. gone mad. Yeah. Um, and it just, like, the people don't really rise up in the way that he expects them to. Okay. Uh, and it ends up just being like this really interesting uh, unfolding of how dictatorships become and take power and rule through fear. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's why somebody from Poland wanted to make this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, because they've seen that. They know, like, and they're relating it in other countries, seeing the same story being played over and over and over again. <laughs> and uh, I just found it to be an incredibly um, meaningful movie, especially uh, as things are in America right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to see the relevance of it all kind of thing. Yeah. To see like presses being destroyed because you can't trust what the people are printing on their printing presses. You got to silence people who have any voice other than the main voice. You have to like all of the stuff that's going on. Um, just very, uh, I don't know, just it, it, it seems like it could be happening today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, for that, I don't know. I just found it a, a really fascinating movie because of that. It stars Gerard Depardieu, um, who's great in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never really seen a whole bunch that he's been in. And uh, he has like some really great scenes, like speeches that he's giving from the floor of the court and mm-hmm. stuff that are 
um, like up there with the speeches that we learn when we're in our, you know, when we're kids and we're listening about give me liberty or give me death and yeah. those kinds of things. Like he's got some amazing speeches about freedom and where power comes from and like the people and their responsibilities and things like that. Uh, it's a, I'd say it, it's almost worth watching on July 4th. Is it's it got, really? It <laughs> is. It's just got like all this great talk about like freedom and like, uh, you know, being willing to die for your freedoms and things like that. It's really, it's really fantastic. That sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, I might check that out. I always, I always love like uh, that kind of era of movies. I like, uh, like Barry Lyndon and stuff yeah. like that. I just kind of get swept up in like those epic kind of. Yeah, and uh, it's got like movies. all this court intrigue stuff going yeah. on too. And I, the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, oh, Seth is gonna love this movie <laughs> yeah. when he sees this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Um, so my next one actually is the Saragossa manuscript. Um, this is from the director of the Hourglass uh, Sanatorium, which we had watched a, yeah. like probably last year or something like that. Um, this is actually uh, – it's based on a novel. Um, and yeah, after reading your review, I was like, oh, I've got to watch this Oh, one. yeah. I, I honestly think you would love this one a lot. Um, to me, it felt a lot like a Terry Gilliam movie actually. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot more humor than I was expecting in this movie. Um, to the point where like I was dying laughing within the first 15 minutes. Like I was kind of dreading watching this movie because it's three hours and one minute long, I think. Um, and I was like, all right, I know this is just a long movie about a bunch of different short stories. And I'm like, this is kind of daunting. Cause like whenever you go into a movie like that, it's like, all right, this is an undertaking. Like I know I'm about to. Is it going to hold my attention this whole three hours? Um, and I was really happy within the first like 15 20 minutes i was already laughing i was already like getting invested with the characters um but really this movie is just a story within a story within a story kind of thing um it feels a lot like a thousand and one uh, arabian nights kind of thing where it's just like one character tells a story which leads into another story um but it starts off with this guy who is in a war um and he's in the middle of a battle like quite literally in the middle of a battle um and he runs into a house for cover <clears throat> And uh, while he's there, like literally bombs are exploding outside and he stops and he finds this book and he opens it up and he just looks at the pages um, and he realizes that it's in Spanish, so he can't read it. Um, And then a Spanish army like comes inside the building and they start to arrest him. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 I was reading this book like you should sit down and look at this with me. Um, and one of the Spaniards, he's like, oh, this mentions my grandfather or something like that. And so together they sit down and they start reading this book. And then inside of this book, it's about like a soldier that's on a journey through, uh, like a valley. And as he's going on this valley, he ends up running into, uh, like some people who invite him in for, uh, like a dinner or something like that. And then when they, when they get into this dinner, like the other person at this table starts telling a story and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, and like eventually, like there's all sorts of stories. There's some that are kind of uh, horrific. There are some that are really humorous. Um, there's like some romance stuff that's in there too. Um, it just runs the gamut, honest, honestly. It's just all over hmm. the place. Um, sometimes the stories end and we come back with the soldier who's walking through the valley. Um, and it kind of progresses with the soldier who's in the valley. So, like, the first story within a story, the one that's in the yeah. book, um, it kind of progresses with him all the way up until the end. And he kind of gets sick of it. And he's like, so why are we telling these stories? Like, where is this all going? And I was getting to the point in my viewing where, like, this is a three-hour movie. So even though I was really enjoying <laughs> all of the, like, little stories, all of the little vignettes within vignettes, um, I got to the point where I was like, all right, where is this all going? And just as that was happening, the character said that pretty much. 
Um, and another character that he's with kind of explains to him that uh, by telling stories, we elongate our own story kind of thing. So it's kind of like uh, by telling stories, we make our own lives a little bit longer. We give meaning to our own little lives. We can solve little problems in other people's lives and those help us solve our own problems. Um, so it, it really becomes just a love letter to telling stories and people that like to tell stories. Um, yeah, and it's just a great movie. It's just a ton of fun. Um, great production design, just like uh, Hourglass Sanatorium. It's not as crazy as Hourglass Sanatorium, where like characters are crawling under beds and they'll appear yeah. in different rooms. Um, this is more like he'll walk through uh, an area and end up in like a cave, and like he'll hang out with some vampires for a while, and then suddenly he'll end up like in the middle of a valley again. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun movie. Um, it feels very fast paced for being three hours. It does start to drag a little bit in like uh, like one or two areas because you're like, all right, we keep going back to the same spot now. <laughs> like, <laughs> when are we gonna get out of this loop? But um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it overall. Cool, so, cool, yeah, yeah. That definitely sounds like one I'm gonna add to my list. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola paid for a restoration of this movie. Too yeah, I saw their names like on it. the movie poster. Yeah, and then uh, Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead is a huge yeah. fan of this movie, too, actually, oh, cool, too. Cool. So, yeah, uh, I would absolutely recommend it. And Hourglass Sanatorium. I actually liked Hourglass Sanatorium a little bit more, but they're both really good. So Cool. Uh, well, my last one for the Polish film series was The Double Life of Veronique. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is by Kislowski's too. Yep. So. Um, and this is uh, like people go back and forth on like which of Kislowski's mo- movies are his masterpiece. Because <laughs> like I'm some sure. people, some people like it's the Decalogue. Some people are like it's the trilogy, and some people are like no, it's just the Double Life. I w- I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, this movie is great. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have um, not, but I okay. need to now. So yes, you do. You will love this movie. <laughs> uh, it is about uh, two women who are played by the same woman. They're kind of twins uh but not really it's the girl who plays the main character in red too by the way yeah three colors red uh and in she plays two women one of them is polish and one of them is french and uh they are somehow linked to each other although only one of them knows it at the beginning of the movie okay um and it mostly follows the polish one and then the french one afterwards like kind of split in the middle uh, of the movie like half of it is the uh, Polish side half of it is the French side and uh, the pol- and they're they're both involved in music and uh, I don't want to say too much because part of the movie part of what is great about the movie is the exploration of it of like trying to figure out what's going on trying to figure out how much each one of them knows um because it it is obvious that they are linked somehow, mm-hmm. but it's never really explained how they're linked or why. Okay. Um, there's just this sense of belonging for the one of them and loneliness for the other. And um, there's some really beautiful uh, – and it, it, it's kind of about, like, feeling the absence of a presence when it's gone um, and longing for it and then kind of – some of it also seems to be about like learning from our mistakes, learning from previous generations and things like that. Cause there's kind of some of those ideas of like learning from the experiences that the other woman is having okay. almost like, um, and uh, it's just, uh, it's done with images mostly. 
not a lot of I mean, there is dialogue and there are conversations and stuff that happens, but not a lot that's like expository, like, hey, here's what's going on in the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more conversations about people's feelings and how certain events are affecting them and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, it it ends up being just this very um, dreamlike walk through life, almost like this woman's life. And um, her trying to figure out her place in it, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting because she's got this weird thing about her life where she's got this connection that nobody else has. But in some ways, she's also just trying to figure out life like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's 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 very hard to describe because of the way that it is linking the two. And like if I start talking too much about like. You know, and the Polish one is like this, then that kind of tells you what the French one is like. You yeah. know, so it's like I don't want to get into no, no, no. too yeah, much there, but um, some really great use of music, uh, like because uh, again, they're both singers. One of them's a choir teacher, and one of them is an actual performer. Okay. Um, and the the performance by uh, Irene Jacobs is phenomenal. Okay. Uh. Because she one she's playing both of these roles. Mm-hmm. Also, she a lot of these a lot of the performances, like the singing performances, like she's not just singing; she's performing like the inner emotions of the character. Like it's um, just some really transcendent like moments. Like even to this, even to the same level as I would say some of the close ups in like Persona. Yeah, um, we have shots like that in here yeah. uh, that are like really exploring um a person's being uh through their face. Yeah. Um and it's really it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean that was Kislowski and my next one is obviously Kislowski too. Yeah. Um I feel like we could talk like just a little bit about like I mean I feel like uh the Three Colors trilogy is very much the same thing that you described. It's a lot of imagery um over like expositional dialogue. Um, it's a lot of, uh, like, yeah, using music to kind of swell and give like kind of a poetic connection more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, uh, most of the three colors trilogy is, uh, like while the plots are very simple, the themes that are, that are addressing are very nebulous. So, uh, like the three colors trilogy is about, is kind of, uh, three different things based on the French revolution. So it's three different colors for the French flag, um, red, blue, and white. Well, actually, it's blue, white, and red um, in mm-hmm. that order. Uh, but the first one is blue, and that is liberty, I guess they said. And that's with Juliette Binoche. And this one is pretty much about uh, a woman who is trying to recover after her uh, her husband and her daughter are killed in a car accident. Yeah. Um, the second one is equality, and that one's white. And that one is about a uh, Polish immigrant who... He and his wife move to France, and then she decides to divorce him, and he moves back to Poland and tries to... he tries to win her back essentially um and that one's equality and that's like kind of an anti-comedy it's Mm -hmm. been called too and then the third one red is uh about a girl that hits a dog with her car um and she ends up trying to return it to the owner and ends up finding out that it's a judge a retired judge who likes to snoop on other people's phone calls for like his hobby um so um yeah there's yeah there are three different movies uh they all kind of intertwine and uh, various ways like there are little things that connect them here and there like Juliette Binoche pops up very briefly in uh, white and red 
Um, but then, like, uh, there's, like, a person who's, like, returning a recyclable that's in all three films, too, and that all comes to represent different things. Um, honestly, you could watch all three of the films as standalones, um, but I think watching them together, like, within a pro- close proximity, like, within each other, it helps kind of, like, bring out the different uh, themes that, like, Kislowski is trying to address in yeah. each so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to try and go too far into in-depth with any of these movies because I feel like there's there's so much that, like, Kieslowski does with all of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really, it is themes of, like, it's, it's exploring the human condition and, like, man's relationship to God in some aspects. Um, there's just a lot of – there's a lot of great stuff in this movie, and I absolutely recommend the trilogy. Um, yeah, Kieslowski is – like, I imagine it would be very hard to talk about, like, a whole bunch of his movies because – and kind of this goes a little bit to what we talk about in the Tarkovsky series where we're talking about, um, like, really great art. It just, like, rings true. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's hard to describe why it rings true. It's you hard just to know, put a finger on it Yeah, sometimes. you just know that it does. Yeah. Like, the ima- the way that the imagery and the music and the – the poetry is all working together. It it strikes a chord in your heart. Yeah, it just says something transcendent. And I mean, like, yeah, it's like I was talking to you just a minute ago. Like, it's really hard for me to try and, like, nail down what makes all of these movies great. But if you watch them, there is just something transcendent about it. Like, it, on, like you just watch it and you're like, I connect with yeah. all of these characters in a way that doesn't make sense to me 100% of the time. But it works somehow because he's doing it this yeah, way. Yeah, like when, in my review for The Double Life of Veronique, I, I said, like, you know, one of the great things about art is, like, the way that we bring ourselves to it. And mm-hmm. the, and especially in film, I think that artists understand that very well a yeah. lot of times. And so that's why they don't give you interpretations of their movies because they want you to come with your interpretations. And yeah. uh, what I see in The Double Life of Veronique Maybe it's compl- not going to be the same thing that I see. Yeah, like because I bring with it all of my cultural experiences and stuff that y- somebody else may not. Mm-hmm. Um, like I read reviews that are like, oh, it's all about the collective unconscious. Reviews that are like, oh, it's about man leaving God. Oh, it's about God finding man. It's, you know, yeah. like all of these different people have ideas about what they think is going on in the film. Um and it doesn't necessarily ever come down one way or the other and say like, this is the thought of the director. Mm -hmm. But like, even though all these people see something different, we all see something happening there that we all see together and recognize is happening. Even if we can't put our finger on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, I think that's going to do it for our Polish, uh, Polish films discussion. We're going to just run right into a rundown today. Uh, go over some of the movies that, uh, I don't know, over the last few weeks, uh, we haven't really done a rundown. So yeah. just go through a couple of things that stood out over our viewing of the last few weeks. Um, my first one that I wanted to mention was uh, the movie Prospect. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you happen to see this one or not. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the cover. Okay. So. It's, uh, it's got uh, Jay Duplass in it. Okay. And uh, it is a sci-fi movie, indie, like, uh, pretty low-budget movie, um, although it do- it uses its budget very well. The set design is great. The, um, like, the uh, the way that they do the, the other world and the compositing and stuff, just very efficient use of their money to make everything feel so otherworldly without doing too many crazy over-the-top special effects that have the tendency to, like, not look great. Yeah. Um, but it's basically uh, 
you never really get the details of this future world, but they're over some other planet. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there's kind of a similar, like if you think of the gold rush, mm-hmm. um, there's that sort of thing happening on another planet. Oh, okay. And uh, but because of the way travel works, you only have so much time in between like shuttle cycles and stuff. So you have to be careful about getting stuck out there too long. Yeah. Um, and it's about this dad and his daughter um, who meet these other guys. And it's just a very cutthroat Old West kind of thing where like in sci-fi world. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> you run into cool. two people and who knows, they may be like the you know, they may be bandits or whatever. And. Um, and it's, it's really about, uh, it's a coming of age story for the girl, um, uh, becoming self-sufficient and, okay. uh, realizing that she's, she's responsible for her own survival and, um, she can't, uh, rely on, uh, she can't rely on her father for the right answer for everything. Okay. You know, and it's, it's, it's really good though. Uh, if you like sci-fi, um, especially, uh, kind of like character driven sci-fi mm-hmm. stuff, um, it's it's definitely a worthy watch. Uh, it's kind of like I don't know. Sometimes those low, low budget sci fi things, like you just kind of got to look past the production design a little bit. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is one of those. Although I'd say that most of the production design is uh, it's very immersive. So cool. That's kind of how I felt about High Life too. The uh, yeah, they, 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 movie kind of thing. I kept confusing those two movies okay. when I saw them on the shelf because I'd yeah. be like, wait, is that the one that Seth watched or is yeah. that the <laughs> yeah. one? Because I knew you had watched one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed High Life. But. Yeah, so I, I, I tried – I'm trying to watch a couple of sci-fi movies just because, like, I don't know. I feel like I've gotten away from sci-fi in, in the last year or so. I haven't really watched a lot of them, but um, I do really like it. And so I kind of kind of got on a little there. bit of a kick on that. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Well, I'm still trying to finish up my Polanski thing. So I finally got around to rewatching uh, The Pianist. Oh, okay, um, cool getting away from polish films we're going to talk about this polish film (laughs) Um, but um yeah this is uh with adrian brody it's the film that won polanski as best director award and then Mm -hmm. it also won best original screenplay uh it tells this true story of a polish pianist who is he kind of goes through the uh, warsaw ghetto um and then instead of actually going to auschwitz he is uh let well not let free but he's kind of given a pass and he doesn't end up going to the ghetto or he ends up staying in the ghetto instead of going to the uh, concentration camps. Um, and it's just kind of about his survival story. Um, I I really enjoy this movie. I think it's really well done. Um, I think Polanski's direction is great. Um, I also think uh, Polanski probably got this as, like, kind of a consolation uh, yeah. Oscar. Like, you know, how Scorsese got it for Departed. Um, I I think this is a very good movie. I do not think it is one of his masterpieces. Um, yeah. I think it has a lot of pacing issues in the second half. It's really slow in spots. Yeah, um, because most of the, like, really awful stuff happens in the very, like, first hour and a half of this movie. And then the second, like, the last hour of the movie is him waiting in apartments, like, wondering if he's going to die or if he's just going to kind of sit there um, and wait it out. Uh, so like the first, the first hour and a half, we have like people getting tossed out of windows, like kids getting shot Mm -hmm. in the streets and stuff like that. And it's just horrible and like heart wrenching. 
um, and then it starts to get a little bit boring <laughs> in in the second half. And it, since it's based on a true story, it's hard to really say that without being like, yeah, this this should have been yeah. faster paced in the second half. <laughs> but uh, um, that's kind of how I'm it sure feels. everyone agrees the war should have ended faster. <laughs> yes, it had some real pacing problems. <laughs> yeah, it dragged out a little bit. Um, <laughs> just a few years. Um, but yeah, no, it is a really good movie. I think the direction, the best part about the direction is the fact that like Polanski actually lived through this like uh he yeah. he actually had to survive the ghettos uh when he was like uh in his i think he was like 11 or something like that when it happened um but so he's got like some actual experience that he brought to this uh movie too so it feels very realistic mm-hmm. um and like warsaw itself becomes kind of a character that kind of sinks into depravity as the war goes on um and it's mirrored by uh adrian brody's sinking into his like own sickness and stuff like that too so it is a really well done movie um i really enjoy it it is a little bit slower paced than some other ones but yeah still a really good movie all right uh so my next one is uh continuing with a little bit of sci-fi uh katie and i watched under the skin last night okay uh scarlett johansson yeah uh, <laughs> man this movie's great yeah I, it is <laughs> i hadn't watched it in years okay and oh man so it's about this like alien being that comes to earth and mm-hmm. is kind of i'm still putting it together yeah. What what it's about. I definitely got more of it this time than I did last time I got went through it. I think the third time I might actually be able to say I know what's going on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it seems like uh, she and another being that come to Earth are, I don't know, either scientists or something or they're just – it's like they're studying humans. Okay. Is how it seems to me. Um, there's a lot of like just her – driving or walking or just sitting in high population areas watching humans and the way that it's shot is so because like this is all told to you without the use of like any exposition nobody ever says you know these people are from another planet mm-hmm. um it's just the way that their observations are shot lets you know yeah um because you're like well no human would look at this in this way mm-hmm. and because they're because of their like she just as they just watch certain things happen and the way that they just walk up to people or talk to them and stuff is like no human sites or something. Yeah. It's just like like no human being would start a conversation like that. No human being would watch that happen and not have any emotion play on their Mm -hmm. face, you know? And so you just get this sense. And then of course there are these, um, like otherworldly, like seduction moments that are like, almost like she's gathering, it feels to me like they are gathering specimens. Yeah. Or like, yeah, information yeah. or something like yeah, that. It just trying to figure us like, out. Like it feels like they're watchers on the outside of a planet. I feel like, like just, yeah. Oh man. But then she, so but, then, but then she like kind of gets in trouble because I think she starts empathizing with the humans. Yeah. And something starts and coming after the other, the other, um, the other being, their hunter alien or whatever yeah uh starts trying to track her down yeah and uh it's yeah it's just a really um interesting meditation on humanity and what it is yeah uh um, some like, images like, that i'll never forget too like uh yeah. the the skin floating yeah. by itself underneath the water, the water is yeah. terrifying and amazing at the same yeah, time it is um the beach scene is like crushing mm-hmm. the I don't know, like, 
I just had so many interesting thoughts while I was watching this movie because um, as you start kind of processing it and looking at these crowds of people the way that they must be looking at them, you start noticing you can you can see animal patterns in them. Yeah. You can see like, oh, my goodness, that's just like when a herd of buffalo goes around a rock is this herd of humans going around this car. Mm-hmm. Um, you start you start seeing like our herd mentalities. You see our migration patterns. You mm-hmm. see like how how much like animals we are. Yeah. Uh, it's really it's really. But you also see what's what sets us apart too. like when she yes. goes and visits the ruins of the castle and stuff like that. Like, there's so much in that movie that is mm-hmm. just, like, this is what humanity is to learn to deal with it. <laughs> and, like, yeah. like there's good and bad parts to humanity, and she has to kind of come to terms with both, I feel like. But still kind of, like, learning to empathize with this. Yeah, it's a great movie. I haven't seen it in probably a couple of years now, but, yeah, I yeah. love it. Yeah, I feel like it's one of these, like, kind of the general plot is, like, she's studying humanity, gets attracted to humanity for all of the good things in it, mm-hmm. and then... One, then finds out a lot of the bad things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely one of my favorite sci-fi films, I think, because it, it just really gets into um, what makes science fiction so exciting is that you can look at something from such a different perspective than you than you normally do. Yeah. Um, and it, this movie does a great job of transporting you that to um, like a, con- a completely different mind frame. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I've talked about this movie before. Three women. Have I talked about this movie yet? Okay. This is another Robert Altman movie. Uh, another one of my favorite directors right now. Um, this is one of his, uh, I came in the seventies actually, and it's starring, uh, Sissy Spacek and, uh, Shelley Duvall. Um, and it's, it's kind of a weird, it's, it's a weird art house kind of like meditative thriller kind of thing. Uh, it feels very different for, uh, Altman. Uh, well, it kind of feels similar to Images, um, but that's the only other movie that I feel like is similar to this one. Um, but it's pretty much uh, Sissy Spacek is this weird kind of awkward teenager who moves from Texas to uh, California where she uh, starts working at this like physical therapy uh, place with Shelley Duvall. Um, and they just kind of start to form this weird relationship. Uh, Sissy Spacek is clearly obsessed with like Shelley Duvall's character, like to the point where it's like weird. And she's just mm. kind of like this awkward, like childlike, uh, like persona, even though she's like in her twenties. Um, eventually they end up becoming roommates and something weird happens. Uh, like a weird kind of emotional trauma happens. Um, and the, the characters start to switch personalities um so like sissy stasic starts to become like really outgoing and like really friendly and like everybody starts to like her more and shelly duvall starts to become introverted and kind of like lose her personality and become really like tight-knit and stuff um and it's just kind of about their relationship going back and forth um and eventually they meet this other artist uh who is like this elder lady Um, And they all kind of form this weird relationship where they're, like, interchanging personalities and, like, one will sub in for the other one when someone doesn't feel like dealing with things. Hmm. Um, It's just this weird psychological thriller kind of thing. Um, And the movie is very – it feels like there's something moving beneath the surface and you never really quite get a grasp of what's going on. Um, And then at the very end, it kind of flashes forward six months and it skips over what – 
probably was like going to be the most important part of the movie and just kind of gives you a hint of what had happened. Um, and it actually really works well. Um, I, I think when I finished this movie, I gave it a 3.5. Um, and then I went back because like this, this movie has lingered with me. Like, I think it's been a week and a half, two weeks since I've watched this movie now. Um, and I actually went back and bumped it up to a four star rating. Cause I was like, yeah, at first it didn't work. Cool. And now I get all those themes because I've been thinking about it for three days straight. Awesome. So, but yeah, I love a movie that does that. Yeah, movies that stick with you. So yeah, Three Women is absolutely worth watching. Uh, definitely not one of Altman's best, but still worth watching. So cool. Well, uh, my last one that I'm gonna go with today then is uh, the movie Where Is the Friend's House. Okay. Um, this is the first movie in the Coker trilogy. Oh, okay. by Abbas Kiriasami. Um, and uh, this one's actually on the Criterion Channel right now. If yeah. you if you're a subscriber, you can check it out. Um, I think it's only like an hour and a half. It's very simple. It takes place in uh, a village called Coker um, in, I believe it's Iran. And I, this is a really interesting movie because it's 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 about a little boy. Uh, but the movie opens really with them in school, this boy in the class. And is they've got a very very strict teacher like he comes in and he's like mad at all the kids for being talking for talking even though he's late and he's like you know i'm only one minute late and you guys are already running all over the place can't you behave yourselves on your own you know like you should be studying discipline is important in order to progress in life and blah 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 and then he starts uh you know going through their homework and he gets the one kid and he doesn't have his notebook and he's like why don't you have your notebook and he's like, oh, I left it at my friend's house. And he's like, how many times have I told, like, he goes into this whole, like, apparently he's told them a million times about their notebooks. Always have your notebook. Never do your homework when you get home. Leave your notebook there. Don't take it to your friend's house. Don't lose your stuff, you know. Um, and this kid starts crying. And, I mean, he falls apart. Yeah. Uh, it is, the, the it, it just pulls at your heart to see this kid so distraught. Um, so then as the kids go home, that same kid, he's talking with uh, our main character who was sitting next to him. And um, they, I forget what happens, but they, they, they uh, like they drop their stuff and the one boy accidentally ends up with the other's notebook. Oh, okay. Uh, the kid who got balled out earlier doesn't have his notebook. Um, and our main character has it. And so he gets home and his parents want him to do his chores. They want him to do his homework. But all he can think about is I've got to get this notebook back to my friend or tomorrow he's going to get expelled. Yeah. And the whole movie is basically about him trying to get his notebook back to his friend. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and, and it is so great <laughs> because it's just like this. Mo- it's just this movie about this kid who cares so much about his friend yeah and trying to put things right for him even though it means that his dad's gonna be mad at him for not finishing his chores his mom's probably gonna be mad at him for not finishing his homework but it's gonna mean that my friend doesn't get yelled at in school doesn't get expelled and it's just a very sweet movie in that way i really i really enjoyed it a lot that sounds awesome yeah but yeah, I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know. There's not a ton to say about it because it's just such a simple film. But if you're if you're looking for a movie that will leave you feeling good about like 
the fact that people love each other yeah and that people can do amazing like acts of kindness even in small ways uh this is a very uplifting film yeah so uh yeah that was uh where's the friend's house that sounds awesome uh did Um, you have any more i didn't have anything big but we could talk about the boys if you want really briefly uh I think we've got enough if you're okay. <laughs> that's fine with me. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's fine. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. I uh, think so. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be kind of doing a uh, like summer wrap up, kind of maybe go over some of the movies that, uh, you know, slipped under the, you know, they they didn't make our, one of our big uh, like series episodes or anything yeah. like that. We've seen way more movies than we've talked about on this show this summer. So <laughs> we're going to try and catch up on a few of those things. And then the week after, we're going to actually be doing some back to school uh, films, uh, movies that take place in or around schools. Heck yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, hopefully you will keep checking us out on social media. I feel like we've been getting a lot more traction with people on Facebook, hearing from them. That's been a lot so of fun. Too. Uh, you know, keep sending us uh, suggestions for things you'd like to see on the show or on the website. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, like, comment, share our posts, and for hundreds of movie reviews from a spiritual and cinephile perspective, visit truemythmedia.com, and we will say farewell, friends. Peace. Peace.